Gospels, if you will, turn to the book of Galatians, chapter 4. <clears throat> often I'm, uh, I shouldn't be, but I often get uh, uh, just fascinated by God's timing. And, uh, of course, this is Pastor Appreciation Month, and uh, we'll be uh, doing some special things uh, uh, this coming Sunday. And uh, we've been preaching through different books of the Bible and preaching through uh, the book of Galatians. I didn't plan it this way, but it's just kind of the way things worked out because, you know, I was gone for a couple weeks and different things. We've had guest speakers, no way to figure out uh, all that scheduling. But this happens a lot. It just seems like God will bring a message uh, uh, in light of, of things that are coming up. And uh, I'll be honest with you, so most of you probably sense that I'm a little uncomfortable about all of that anyway. And and I know y'all appreciate me. I, you know, I'm, I don't have to have a special month for that, amen. And uh, but uh, but I do appreciate all the kind things and and uh, the church wanting to do a little something. I, I do greatly appreciate that. We love you. I wish Miss Dana could be here tonight. Again, she's passing a kidney stone and just having a hard time with that. And and I hope she is anyway, uh, uh, getting rid of that. And uh, so be in prayer for her. Uh, she misses certainly misses being here. And but we do appreciate all the cards. Uh, Miss Carol's Sunday school class. Uh, gave some cards. I didn't get home today, so haven't seen Miss Dana since really last night almost. And uh, but uh, I'll be taking those home to her and letting her read over those. I'm sure they'll be a blessing to her. And uh, so we appreciate Central Calvary Baptist Church and y'all's love uh, for us. Uh, but we've been preaching through the Book of Galatians and we've been taking ver pretty much verse by verse. Uh, and tonight's verses have to do with keeping a right heart towards your pastor. And uh, the Apostle Paul is addressing a few things. And, of course, now the Apostle Paul was a missionary, uh, not, you know, the structure of the church today, having a, a pastor like I'm your pastor, but certainly uh, he was looked to as a, uh, as a preacher, as a pastor, if you will. And there's just some things we want to glean from here. So I'm not preaching this because anything's wrong, uh, but I believe that preachers, when they preach the Bible, they ought to preach the Bible. Amen and uh, not steer around things because it may be a little uncomfortable. I believe every word in the Bible is there for a reason, don't you? And it's for us. And uh, so we're going to look at uh, the title of the message tonight, Keeping a Right Heart Towards Your Pastor. And if you're physically able tonight, I'm going to go ahead and ask you to stand, uh, just showing some reverence to the Word of God. Galatians chapter 4, we're going to begin with verse 12, and uh, just read about 10 verses or so, not even quite that many, 8. And uh, so just listen to the words here, and I'll kind of explain some things as well along the way so that we understand what the Word of God is telling us. So Galatians chapter 4, Galatians chapter 4, beginning with verse 12, uh, Paul says, Brethren, so he's talking to believers here, he's talking to saved people, I beseech, that word beseech means he's begging, he's imploring, please. He says, I beseech you, uh, be as I am, for I am as ye are, you have not injured me at all. And I'll explain these verses in a moment. Uh, ye know how through, infirm through the infirmity of the flesh I preached the gospel unto you at the first. Most believe that Paul had some type of physical problem, probably with his eye, uh, that may have been somewhat unpleasant to look at. And that's what he's talking about there. Uh, the infirmity of the flesh I preached the gospel unto you at the first. And my temptation, which was in my flesh, uh, ye despise not. So he said, you weren't focused on that, nor rejected, but received me as an angel of God, even as Christ Jesus. And those are some pretty strong words, but don't misinterpret those, okay? Verse 15, 
Paul says, now, you, in other words, you, you, really, you really showed your love toward me. You wanted to hear what I had to preach. If, if you had some reasons to be against me, certainly my physical appearance would have been something you could have said. But he says in verse 15, but there's a problem now. He says, where is then the blessedness you spake of? So some things had changed since Paul had been there. For I bear record that if it had been possible, you would have plucked out your own eyes and given them to me. Uh, am I therefore become your enemy because I tell you the truth? They zealously, and he's talking about the Judaizers. I've explained that through this series of messages. He says, they zealously affect you, but not well. You know, they're zealous. They, they're, they're teaching you and preaching a lot of things, but it's not right. Yea, they would exclude you. And he's just talking about not listening to him, that is Paul, that you might affect them. Verse 18. It is good, but it is good to be zealously affected, always in a good thing. And Paul said, you know, you're, you're being affected, but not in the right way. And not only when I am present with you. In other words, I don't have to be there for you to, to, uh, to grow in the things of God. In verse 19, my little children of whom I have travailed and birth again until Christ be formed in you. Notice that Christ be formed in you. Verse 20, I desire to be present with you now and to change my voice. In other words, Paul's using some pretty stout words here in this message, in this letter to them. But he also says, you know, I, I, I'd like to come to you. I know I'm getting on to you. But he said, I, I would like to come and comfort you as well. So Paul wasn't having a fit here. He wasn't angry as far as towards them. And he says, I'm there to change my voice, for I stand in doubt of you. He says, I'm, I'm having some struggles with some things. So let's pray. Father, we ask your blessing upon the preaching, uh, reading, and certainly the teaching of the Word of God tonight. And Father, just help us to understand some things. We've talked a lot about the church uh, through these series of messages in the book of Galatians. And tonight, Lord, we talk about the preacher, the man of God, the pastor. And uh, so, Father, I pray, you know, Lord, I'm a little uncomfortable about talking about these things, Lord. I just don't want things to be misinterpreted. Uh, but, Lord, uh, these folks here tonight, I, I'm sure uh, I have confidence. They understand. And, uh, so Lord, just help me to preach it how you'd have me to preach it. And I'll thank you for it. Speak to our hearts when the invitation is given. I pray that those that need to do business with you would come. And, Father, we'll thank you for it. In Jesus Christ's name we do pray. Amen and amen. All right, you can go ahead and be seated. Now, we've learned that Paul was not only battling false teachers, in this case, Judaizers, even some Gentile uh, idol worship and that those types of things. In the book of Galatians, we, we'd be making a mistake if we just thought he was focused in on one church. There was many local New Testament churches scattered throughout Galatia, which today is modern-day Turkey in that area. And so this is a letter that I believe was circulated around to but, you know, to the local New Testament churches that certainly Paul had been a part of and planning as he took his missionary journey. And so he's battling some things that began to creep into the church, some false teaching. Uh, he had realized that, that these were believers, many of them were genuinely saved, but they had backslidden from the Lord. They had gotten away from, from the things that Paul had taught and others as well. Uh, and they had gotten so far in their backsliding that they were beginning to alienate Paul. They were like, you know, even though Paul, God sent him there, he planted the churches, no doubt had a uh, huge impact on literally, you know, God saves people, not Paul, but certainly God had used Paul in that way. And so the very man, as he said there, as he alluded to, you know, uh, that, that you would have, you know, you would have given your eye for me even. But now there were some problems. Now they were, they were grumbling about Paul. They were murmuring about Paul. And certainly, you know, I, I've seen this throughout the, the years. And, 
And, and it is true that when we get away from the Lord, and by the way, we, we've all been there, even this preacher. Uh, so, you know, we, we're, none of us are perfect. But, but a lot of times those who are, are struggling in areas, maybe, you know, faithfulness and, and, and struggling with holiness and, and struggling maybe with some type of sin, it's been my experience that they tend to not want much to do with the pastor. <laughs> you know, I remember I, I was there, you know, if there were some things right in my, not right in my life and, and uh, you know, the pastor, you know, I was just it made me a little uncomfortable because I knew someone right. And so I think that was part of the, the problem there. But if we stay in that and we let that fester and we hold on to some bitterness and those types of things, then once we get, now we're, we're not comfortable around the pastor, now we're, getting, we're letting some bitterness build up inside of us and then comes the tearing down of the man of God or the church uh, that maybe that, that pastor pastors. Uh, by the way, at one time that it meant so much to them you know, that, that, uh, uh, that, that loved their pastor and loved their church, but something happened to begin to, to hurt that relationship. Now, in Paul's case, he was totally innocent. He hadn't did anything wrong. Sometimes pastors do mess up. Um, preachers are human beings like everybody else. But this wasn't the case for Paul. And so Paul, he's addressing this problem uh, and, and really focuses in on, on uh, you know, the, the man of God. In other words, the one that God had used to, to help them uh, not only to be saved, but, but, but how to live the Christian life and those types of things. So he's addressing some things here. Again, this was Paul who was welcomed, as he alluded to, with, with open arms by many that were there. But now those very people, those exact same people, were, were resisting him. They were, they were against him. So what did Paul do? Uh, you know, you got to say, well, Paul must have did something wrong. Paul must have must upset them in some way. Why, why are they now feeling this way? Well, uh, he preached the truth. <laughs> you, know, uh, you know, anybody that, that wants to preach the Bible, there's just some unpleasant things in there, isn't there? You know? Uh, you just want to sit down and read your Bible through. I guarantee there's going to be some passages, and by the way, God meant it for that, that's going to cut you to the bone. <laughs> but that's its intended purpose. And by the way, God doesn't do those things to destroy us, but he does those things to restore us and, and to help us to grow in the things of God. But now, all of a sudden, he's preaching the truth, but now they had lost their love and respect for Paul, and that's really what the crux of the message is. So Paul... Not because he's, uh, you know, he, he says they're not to my hurt. In other words, Paul wasn't saying this hasn't got anything to do with your feelings towards me. But Paul understood that if they continued in that way, that they would suffer spiritually. That they would have a hard go of it. And so Paul's, he's telling them, he's reminding them uh, of some things. Uh, and, and he's, you know, listen, you've got off track because of some false teachings. And certainly that had a lot to do with it. Uh, you've, you're, you're in this backslidden condition, and now your heart is not right towards me. That's what Paul is saying. And I suppose this is something probably we all have to guard against, and, you know, we're all just flesh and blood, uh, but that's what Paul was trying to, uh, trying to take care of, and that kind of sets the, the, the rest of the message up for us. So number one is this. Real love and respect for your pastor should not be easily swayed should not be easily swayed. 
Listen, if you walk around with a chip on your shoulder, sooner or later it's going to get knocked off. You know, especially uh, if a preacher's preaching the Bible, I, I tell you. Now, I had a preacher tell me one time when I first got, you know, when the Lord first called me into the ministry. Now, I probably wouldn't have said this to a young preacher, but he did, and I'm not saying it hurt me in any way. But I can tell, tell how it might have, you know, been a little discouraging, you know, if, if somebody was called to preach. So I, I wouldn't probably say this myself to a young preacher. But, uh, and he had been through a hard ministry and some hard times. But he said this, he said, one of the hardest things in the ministry is, is having someone tell you how much they love you, how thankful they are for you. But after a decision that you made that they don't like, now they're sitting across from you, often in the very same chair, telling you just the opposite of what they told you before. And certainly that could be discouraging. Unfortunately, I've, I've dealt with that over the years, not too many times. Um, here, here's what this would be my take on it and this is my personal opinion not that it matters much but people tend to love good preaching I think people tend to love even what we might call good hard preaching as long as it's not aimed at them and it's aimed at somebody else <laughs> you can always tell that you know when you're preaching hard amen amen and then you say another thing and it's, it's quiet <laughs> You just got in their wheelhouse a little bit. And so, you know, I, I believe that to, to be true, too. And so real love, though, respect for your pastor, it shouldn't be easily swayed. You know, sooner or later, your pastor is going to make a decision. He's going to say something. He's going to do something that you're not going to like. Uh, and, and just always keep that in mind. Um, but here, here's the thing. I think people have a misguided expectation that that preachers and pastors they're really often expected to do what nobody else would expect anybody else to do and here's what what's expected at times and and I haven't this isn't about I haven't praise the Lord you know my ministry has been great I you know I haven't had to deal with these things too much and I thank the Lord for that but I do know sometimes these things happen and sometimes we're pastors are expected to do something that's really impossible to do and the impossible thing that people want preachers to do is to please everybody without offending anyone. <laughs> that's not going to happen. And a lot of you laughed and shook your head. We know that's not going to happen. But yet, uh, depending on what side of that you're on, you know, now that's going to determine how you feel about your pastor. As long as that decision pleases me and that's what I think I need to do, I love you, pastor. These people might be offended, but that's okay, Pastor, because I love you. <laughs> but then on the other hand, you make that decision you don't like. It's like, well, Pastor, you know, I don't know. We're going we're to go find another church. You know, <laughs> you know I, don't, I don't know about all this. So we don't want to. Listen, if, if you really love and respect your pastor, you shouldn't be easily swayed. Amen? I believe that with all my heart. Uh, and, and the pastor, uh, certainly not perfect and and uh, listen, they're going to have shortcomings. Uh, they're they're going to mess things up. I, I messed up the deacons meeting so bad today. And although I think it worked out good for the deacons' wives because they went shopping. And, uh, you know, so, you know, the, the deacons, you know, they didn't like it, but the deacons' wives loved it, you know. So uh, I disappointed them, but I made them happy, you see. And uh, so, you know, pastors, you know, uh, you know, pastors, and we should, as preachers, we have to overlook shortcomings. Uh, and, uh, you know, even a small church like this, there's a lot of different demeanors. 
a lot of different personalities, and that's what makes pastoring really fun to me. But all those different demeanors and looks on life, different backgrounds, different experiences in life, um, personalities found within a body of believers, even this small, are going to vary greatly. And there's no way the man of God's always going to make everybody happy. <laughs> so you just need to go ahead and settle that, amen, and pray for your pastor. It's not, hey, listen, I'm not saying I don't make mistakes. I, I certainly do. I don't always get it right. But again, our, your love for your pastor should not be easily swayed. So how can this issue, again, be, be rightly handled? And, and Paul really sums it up in, in uh, verse 12 there. Um, he says, brethren, I beseech you, be as I am. Now, now, he's not saying be like me, but what he is saying here is he's saying, you know, it's not what we think it would mean. Paul is saying just be like me. You know, in my way of thinking, but, but, but Paul is saying, I've always loved and cared for you. And just because there's some problems right now, you don't have to stop caring and loving me. There's some problems. I'm, I'm admonishing you here, but be like me. In other words, as I, it, my love for you, my, my concern for you hasn't stopped. So be like me in that area. That's all he's saying. Hey, listen, you get a group of people together, there's, there's, people aren't going to see the same thing. Uh, and, and certainly we, we should uh, uh, you know, not hold things in, be able to talk it out like Christians, but that doesn't mean we don't love each other, amen? You know, that, that would be unfair to, to hold not just your pastor, but really anybody to that standard. Uh, you're not going to have very many friends if you do that, amen? Hey, listen, if you only love somebody when they do what you say, that's going to be a lonely life, amen? Paul's saying, you know, even though you're not right with me, I still love you, I still care for you, so, so be like me in that way. And he uses that word beseech, which means beg. He says, please, you know, please uh, understand this. And if you love somebody, not just your pastor, your husband, your wife, your children, whatever the case may be, that love should never be easily swayed. Um, and I'm afraid that happens sometimes. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 12 tells us, Hatred stirreth up strifes, but love covereth all sins. Amen. Love is like a salve. Um, Peter really echoes the same thing in 1 Peter 4, 8. He says, And above all things have fervent, that means intense charity, intense love among yourselves, for charity shall cover the multitude of sins. Amen. We taught on forgiveness in our Sunday school class here a while back. Amen. That comes to mind. So there's going to come a time when your, your pastor uh, is going to make a decision, again, maybe say something even from this pulpit that may not set well with you. It may have already happened. I don't know. But here's the thing. If you love him, uh, as the Bible commands us to do, then you always want to handle that with a biblical manner. Amen? God has a biblical structure on how to handle these things, and that's how we always need to approach it. And if you really love your pastor, love anybody in this church, that's how you always want to handle it. Paul said, I'm one of you. <laughs> uh, in other words, he says, I'm no different. And certainly this preacher up here, and those of you that know me for a little while, you, you know, <laughs> you know I'm, I'm just one of you. I, uh, I'm certainly nobody special. But Paul then gives us the right way to love and respect your pastor. Um, and he goes back and he talks about how he was accepted at the first, there in verse 13. He says, you know how through infirmity of the flesh I preached the gospel unto you at the first. And so at that point there, it seems that the Galatian 
churches there, they were hungry for the word of God. They were hanging on every word that was preached, possibly new Christians, hungry for the Bible. Paul was, was, Paul was saying, hey, I'm still the same as Paul. I'm still preaching the same word. And, and, and again, he asked there later, what, what happened? What's the change? Why, why all of a sudden the animosity? I'm still preaching the same Bible. I'm still preaching the same truth. Why did you receive it then, but now you're not receiving it? What's going on? So let's answer that question. We'll look at it, verse 13 and verse 14 together this time. He says, you know how that through infirmity of flesh I preached the gospel unto you at the first, and my temptation which was in my flesh you despised not, nor rejected, but received me as an angel of God, even as Christ Jesus. In other words, as a representative of of the truth. As I mentioned a while ago, Paul had some type of infirmity in his flesh. Many believe it was, I don't remember the name of it, but it's an eye disease, uh, particularly uh, uh, in the Middle, Middle East. Uh, you know, it's kind of an Asian disease. Uh, I understand it's not very pleasant. Uh, you know, the eye waters, those types of things, maybe even bulges a little. But despite all that, because the people loved Paul and what he was teaching and what he was preaching, it was an issue. Matter of fact, he goes on to say, and that's why many believe it was some type of eye disease, so they were ready, they was ready to give him a good eye if that's what it took. And so, listen, folks, if you, if you find yourself uh, beginning to nitpick the preacher, maybe there isn't a physical thing, but every preacher, my wife is pretty good in a loving way, let me know of distracting mannerisms that I have. Um, but if you find yourself nitpicking the preacher, you know, concerning mannerisms or, you know, just, you know, boy, I hate it when he does that. You know, I, you know, hey, listen, right then you need to check yourself. You need to check yourself. Amen. Because if, is it really his mannerisms or, or is it what he's preaching and teaching that you're really struggling with? Is it his mannerisms uh, maybe his not-so-great speech, or is it the decisions that he's making? And instead of getting on to him about the decisions he's making, now you want to get on to him about these little odds and ends. Amen? So we need to be careful with that. So Paul, he, he gives us another way to, to love and respect our pastor. We certainly want to be careful about nitpicking those types of things. He says in verse 16... Am I therefore become your enemy because I tell you the truth? And, and there it is, folks. You know, some people just, they don't like to be buttonholed with anything. You know, and a lot of times they'll, they'll blame the preacher or what have you when the Bible just, this is what the Bible says. It's read, preached, and, and all of a sudden it's a preacher thing instead of a Bible thing. Hey, listen, I, you guys heard me say this before. Hey, listen, there, there's things in the Bible that I've read, especially when I first got saved. I remember putting my Bible down so many times and going, whew. Man, I've, I've got a lot of work to do in my life and in my family. I would hear a message and I'd be like, "What? You know, what's he? What? What do you mean? What?" But it was the Word of God. And my point is, is even though it might make you uncomfortable, the truth should be welcomed, even if it hurts you. We need the truth of God, folks. We need it. And so, don't make your pastor the enemy when he preaches the truth. Now, I know there's some preachers that you know, get off track, and that, that's a whole different sermon. But, but I'm just trying to tell you, if the man is sitting up there preaching the Word of God, uh, hey, listen, there's, you know, your, your problem's not with him, amen? It's not with him. 
I, I believe this, especially in this day and age of, you know, uh, easiness and peace and prosperity preaching and, you know, uh, make everything palatable and welcoming and, you know, make it taste good for me. Listen, we, we ought to thank God because they're getting fewer and fewer. But we ought to thank God for preachers who preach the truth, even when it's unpopular to do so. Now, I know there are some preachers out there that kind of seem to get off on that a little bit, and I, I don't like that either. Um, you know, we ought to preach hard. Preachers ought to preach hard, but we ought to do it with a tear in our eye. Amen? There's a difference there. And, uh, you know, so, you know, I, I, you know I'm, I, there, there's some balance to all these types of things. But we ought to thank God for men who preach the truth. Um, unfortunately, there are some that, that lose respect for preachers, don't like preachers. Uh, and that's sad because... Uh, I think it boils down that, that the truth is just much more than they're willing to deal with. <laughs> and so it's easier just to say, well, I don't like that. But number one, real love and respect for your pastor should not be easily swayed. Number two, number two, and these won't be as long. Uh, a true pastor desires for you to focus your whole life on God. Amen. Praise the Lord. I tell you what, they can have all that religious stuff where you just kind of add him in here and there. Hey, listen, God wants to be part of every aspect of your life. And a true preacher will try to encourage you in that. Look at verse 17. He says, they, talking about the Judaizers, they zealously affect you, but not well. Yea, they would exclude you that ye might affect them. And what he's talking about there is they work you into, uh, you know, they're working you into their graces. In other words, they're, they're telling you things you want to hear, uh, so as to get your attention, you know, uh, Paul would talk about, you know, tickling your ears, hearing, telling people what they want to hear instead of what they need to hear. And they did this for the full purpose to turn their, that word exclude, they, they were doing those things to, to, for the main purpose of, of pushing Paul out of their lives. Hey, listen, you don't want to listen to this guy. You know, he, he, he's a hater. You know, he doesn't preach the love of Christ, you know. Uh, hey, listen, he's, he's legalistic. Amen? <laughs> but now we, on the other hand, here, here's what you need. Here's what you need. Uh, and so Paul, he, hey, listen, he, he says, listen, they're, they're, they're going to preach to you about doing things, and, but, but are they really going to really give you things that are going to help you grow your relationship with God? And these false teachings, a lot of it had to do with works-based things, were creeping their way even to these new churches. Um, and what they were causing was people to quit focusing on God, to quit focusing on the foundational truths that Paul had taught them. Um, again, that had a lot to do with works-based teaching and stuff like that, as I mentioned. In other words, to do things, to be accepted by God. You know, that's real convenient. You know, that's how we want it. Well, I'll go out and make my own decisions for a little while, live my life the way I want to, uh, but as long as I uh, do a few religious things here and there, me and God's good. But God doesn't work that way. It's a relationship. You wouldn't treat your marriage that way, would you? You wouldn't raise your kids that way, would you? You wouldn't treat your friends that way, would you? Hey, listen, we don't want to treat God that way either. There's no, there's no teaching in the Bible that teaches us that works, uh, gets us saved, or even keeps us saved. It's all... Uh, by the grace of God and building that relationship and I should say even fellowship through God which Paul had been teaching them uh, not works based that taught you have to do things to be and stay accepted by God 
So today, maybe not some of these specific things that they were struggling with, but, but those types of things uh, still happen today. And, and there's a problem from false teachings. Again, there's you know, different types of things out there that really take our focus off God, put our focus on ourselves and how I feel and what I think, and I want to be nurtured and, and I want to be comforted, uh, but I still want to live my life the way I want to. And there's a lot of churches out there that will give you that. But Paul says, I love you way too much for that. Paul certainly preached hard against those types of things, not those specific things, but those types of things. In other words, anything that took the focus off God and puts it on self is never of God. And your pastor tonight, that, that would be me. I, I feel the same way. Um, and uh, when pastors warn and admonish, as long as they have that Bible open, they're preaching in context, and the warnings and the admonishments come out, Hey, listen, they want to encourage you to stay away from those things that can hurt you. And that's what God calls a under-shepherd to do. And at number two, again, a true pastor desires for you to focus your whole life on God uh, because that is certainly beneficial for you. Number three, keeping your heart right with your pastor will help, you, help grow you. You know, I'm convinced that a lot of people have stopped growing in the Lord because of a misguided view of what a pastor should be. You know, I mention a lot about the de-emphasizing of the local New Testament church, and there's a lot of aspects to that. But one of them is, is, is uh, you know, uh, again, you know, this isn't about attention, but, but God puts a pastor in your life for a reason. I believe that, and I thank God for pastors that I've had. Didn't always, you know, wasn't always comfortable, but I thank the Lord for them. And what I'm saying is, when we have a misguided view of what a pastor should be, it's going to cause a lot of problems in your life, and you're not going to be able to grow as you could. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 23, now this was concerning Israel and their treatment of past prophets. I don't want to mix these things up with church, but we, we, we have this attitude that's implied. And Jesus would say this as he wept over Jerusalem. He said, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets, the preachers of the Old Testament, and stonest them which are sent unto, unto thee, that is by God. How often, Christ says, would I have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathers her chickens under her wings, and ye would not. He says there, you, you, you kill us the prophets, you stonest them. And a lot of people do that with messages. They don't literally stone the pastor. They may want to, but you know, you go to jail for a long time for that. But they kill the message. Amen plug their ears, walk out, start flipping through their Bible, doing whatever, hey, I'm not going to listen to that. Thou that killest the prophets, stonest them. How many messages get stoned sometimes? And of course, this was prophetic. Jesus was looking ahead to the time when, when Jerusalem would be literally destroyed. But again, he starts there because they didn't let the prophets help them grow in the Lord. In other words, you didn't listen to the preaching. You didn't listen to what God's men were saying. Jesus, being God, looked ahead in time and he saw the train wreck coming because they wouldn't listen to the preaching. They wouldn't listen to the men of God. They were warned, here's what you need to do. Here's what God says. Nope, not going to do it. Not going to do it. Not going to do it. And God looked ahead of time and he says, there's a train wreck coming. And it did. It was a terrible time of suffering. And today, how sad it is, you guys have heard me say that before, that a lot of times, you know, preachers are preaching. People are still rebelling. They're kicking against the pricks. I'm just telling you, the train wreck's coming. The train wreck's coming. 
And uh, so God puts these things in here for us. We notice verse 18 through 20. He says, but it is good to be zealously affected always in a good thing. So it's, it's you know, not everything has to be comfortable. And not only when I am present with you. So he says, I don't have to be there for this to get a hold of your heart. My little children, verse 19, of whom I travail and birth again until Christ be formed in you. So that tells me Paul was a big part of their, their salvation. In other words, God used him in a mighty and powerful way. God saved him, not Paul. He says, I desire, verse 20, I desire to be present with you now and to change my voice. He says, I, do, I don't want to say these hurtful things. I want to be there to comfort you, but there's some things that have to be said. He said, because I stand in doubt of you. There's, there's some problems going on. So he's warning them strongly. But, you know, I, to me, even reading this, you, you sense the love and compassion. Paul labored for their good, uh, and even though they were kicking against him he still loved them and had compassion for them and still was willing to be uh to be uh, uh you know persecuted in many ways and talked about it. he's like that's okay it, it doesn't hurt me you know as far as that goes uh i'm going to keep preaching the truth because i love you and paul desired that they grow in the lord and so he again i like that word zealously he zealously guarded them even when they didn't understand it because Paul wanted desperately to see Christ, it says there in verse 19, wanted to see Christ formed in them. You know, that's what being a Christian is, is you're becoming Christ-like. Of course, verse 20, Paul's saying, I know what is being read sounds harsh, and, and, and it was in many ways. But Paul says, boy, I sure wish I could be there to also help calm you as well. You know, that's why this day and age of text messages and emails and Let's just get back to the good old days of eyeball to eyeball. Amen? i tell you what. Being in the military, your buddy would be kind of down in the mouth and sad, and you say, what's wrong? Well, I got a Dear John letter. <laughs> My girlfriend left me. Don't have her no more. Now, I'm going to preach a sermon one of these days on don't send your preacher a Dear John text. <laughs> let's do eyeball to eyeball amen I mean, i'm serious you know is this whole not wanting to hey listen if you, if you don't I'm, I'm getting on a tangent but just bear with me hey listen if, if 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 you don't have a passionate enough feeling to look somebody in the eye and tell them how you feel about something you may not feel about it as strongly as you think how easy it is to write a letter or a text and send it all the way and not have to deal with it i'm done let's get back to the message so Paul's concern, um, you know, and again, I, I hesitate to say these things. I don't want people to misinterpret them. But we were sharing this in the new members class a while ago. But often in a preacher's life, um, when I say alone, it's not that, you know, he, he has the Lord. But there's just certain things that, that can't be shared. Um, and oftentimes because of that he alone is going to see the magnitude of the problem or the seriousness of the problem and you just always need to remember that uh, in other words he sees what could lie ahead uh, you know if something is not taken care of and headed off you know as you guys hear me say it's you know we want to put little fires out before they become big fires that's that's the best way and there's where you just got to love and trust your pastor at times it's okay to look sideways at him every once in a while. <laughs> but it don't need to go further than that, amen?
especially if he's still biblical. And so again, I'm, I'm almost done. There, there, there come a time when, again, it may have already happened, I don't know, but there will come a time uh, that your pastor, you know, I, I may even approach this pulpit uh, and, you know, have a, a heavy burden, have a heavy heart, something that's, that's going on. And, and there may be some things that, that may be hard to hear, some things that may be difficult to hear. Um, I, I would just say this, that I would just really just ask that you give your pastor, you know, whoever your pastor may be, you know, if I'm your pastor, just, just, give, just give him what Paul's asking here. That's really all he's asking. He's just saying, hey, I, I'm the one that, that God used to put in your life. I'm preaching the same word. I'm doing the same things. I'm ministering the same way. I have not changed. Um, and, and, and keep your heart right with your pastor, amen? You know, this has come up of late a lot, and, and I, I'm afraid that we are probably a couple or three maybe generations in now of parents training their children not to love preachers. And that's sad. You know, the, the preacher, and again, we're nobody as far as God's not a respecter of person, but a lot of people have this attitude towards preacher right off the bat. And they have, you know, and preachers mess up and they don't make it easy for themselves sometimes. But those little eyes are watching you and you're not doing your children any favor planting in their little mind and their heart that a preacher ain't no good. That'll never do them any good, amen? Unfortunately, there are some bad preachers, but there's a lot of good ones out there too. And you need to love your preacher. Your preacher ought to mean something to you. Your church ought to mean something to you, amen? We emphasize church. I, I think that's important. Keep your heart right with your pastor so you can grow. Um, keep your heart right with your pastor so not only that you can grow, but if you're growing and they're growing and they're growing, then the church is growing. Amen? So important. So important. Not comfortable preaching this message, but I hope you understand my heart tonight. Here's what I'd ask you to do. We'll get ready for the invitation. You know, uh, you know, you come pray about anything. If you need to be saved, you come be saved, rededicate your life, what, whatever needs you have. Maybe you've got something going on in your life. Uh, somebody's sick, you want to pray for, that's what this altar is for. So I'm not, I'm not going to tell you what you have to pray for or anything, but I, I sure would cover your prayers, amen. Um, and just come and pray about that relationship. As uh, far as I know, I, I don't think I've made anybody mad. You guys are... You guys are golden towards me. I, there's no motivation to preach this message at all. Uh, I feel very well loved. My wife feels very well loved. And, and I appreciate you ladies loving her the way that you do. And, and, um, uh, and I, I just appreciate this church so much. I mean, this is, you guys are uh, an absolute joy to be around. But, you know, the devil knows that. You hear me? The devil knows that. And he would love to drive a wedge between me and you or between you and others. The devil loves that. So we don't want to ever give him occasion. You know, the lions always get the weak ones at the back of the herd, the ones that are struggling the most. The devil's the same way. Don't, don't be one of those, amen? <laughs>
don't be one of those. Uh, God is blessing our church, and we're seeing some wonderful things. And, uh, boy, the devil would love to get in there and make things happen that, that uh, could cause problems between you and your pastor. Amen? I covet your prayers. I sure do. I know I don't always get it right. But I love you, and I want to get it right. Amen? So let's all stand with our heads bowed, our eyes closed. Brother Brad's going to just play something for the invitation, and, and uh, that's something you could pray about. Just come pray about our music and <laughs> God's blessing. Uh, but uh, I appreciate your prayers. 